It's very fitting that today's gospel at the beginning of ordinary time, after the Christmas season has drawn to a close, starts with the very beginning of Jesus' public ministry. It seems to be a simple story. Jesus, the sinless one, has just come to John the Baptist to be baptized. But so was just about everyone else in town, so what's the big deal? Well, as the Lord is baptized and comes up from the water, something remarkable happens, something astounding, something that was never seen before and has not been seen since. The heavens opening up, the Spirit of God descending upon him like a dove, and the Father's voice being heard. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. But what else do we see? We see something that had lain hidden since the very first moment of creation, when the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the great and empty abyss, and the voice came from the Father of the Almighty, the eternal word came forth, as God said, let there be light. And we can see so clearly that at the baptism, we see a new creation, a clear manifestation of the Blessed Trinity, the first manifestation since the very beginning of time. But in today's gospel, we do not hear so much about what happened at the baptism, but John the Baptist's commentary on its significance, or really on the significance of Jesus himself. A man is coming after me, John tells us today, who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Now I have seen and testified that he is the Son of God. John is saying in these words that the one about whom he called the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world is not just God's chosen sacrificial victim, perhaps the holiest of all men or the greatest of all prophets, but is actually one with the Father, the Son of God. It's as though after the Christmas of season of Christmas, which is so grounded in seemingly simple history, so focused on the babe of Bethlehem, the son of Mary, that the church is calling us to step from the historical recounting of the life of Christ in the, into the reality of his person as the son of God. We all wish we could have been there at Christmas with the shepherds and with the wise men worshiping the God-man, our Emmanuel. But how blessed, too, it would have been to be there at his baptism, at that new creation, when the heavens opened up and the Spirit descended in the form of a dove and the Father's voice was heard. How blessed it would have been to hear John say and to say with him, Now I have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. What a blessing to say, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But in reality, we have experienced all this. In our baptism, we have experienced our own immersion into the life of the Blessed Trinity. We have been filled with the Holy Spirit. We've been named and called, strengthened and filled. Called to what? Called to be holy 
called to be saints. This is the sense of the words of the Apostle Paul in our second reading today, when he greets all of those he is writing to, which includes us, as those who have been sanctified, that is, made holy, called to be holy, all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, we have received as a gift, not as something we deserve, the faith, the hope, and the love that enables us to be holy, that enables us to be saints. We've received as a gift the privilege of seeing God the Father. Listen and understand the words of Jesus. He says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And we have seen Christ. We hear him in his word. We experience him in all of those whom we love and whom we serve. And we gaze upon him and hold him and consume him every time we receive Holy Communion. Whoever has seen me, the Lord says, has seen the Father. And that Jesus who is the Father's beloved Son asks each one of us the most important question the most essential question in our lives. Who do you say that I am? And everything, everything depends upon our response. We can do nothing other than answer with John the Baptist, with Simon Peter, and with all the saints throughout the ages. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Here's the most important lesson that we can learn in today's gospel. The gospel demands a response. The gospel demands a response. The gospel demands a response because it is the good news of Jesus Christ. And he demands a response. There's no neutral option. Not to choose is to choose not to follow him. What about in the time when our Lord walked the earth Didn't everyone respond to him? Some responded with joy, with repentance, with faith and devotion. And others, others responded by nailing him to the cross. I was struck to hear about the many Christian martyrs of our present age. That one Christian is killed every six minutes in today's world for their faith that of the some 45 million Christians out of an estimated 70 million who have been killed in all of Christian history, 45 million have been killed in the last 100 years. And I'm torn by this. I've read the stories. I've heard the voice of the martyrs. And I want to tell you their stories in all of their horror. But the fate of many is so horrible so unspeakable that I can't even force my voice to describe what happens to so many people who choose to stand for Christ. Oh, to have the faith that they have, the faith that the Son of God demands when he stands before each one of us and says, follow me, follow me, come to me, all you who are burdened, and heavily labored, 
and I will give you rest. Not one of us would be here if we did not already know who Jesus is, that he is truly the way, the truth, and the life. That we already know, but so often we cry out to God asking, what does he want of me in particular? And it takes much prayer and study and discernment to determine that. But there's something very simple that we each can do that is not difficult at all. When you hear the words of Scripture, especially when you hear the words of the Gospel, ask yourselves two questions. Where am I in the story? And Lord, what do you want me to do? And if you are open, he will answer. Once you come to grips with the reality of who Jesus is and what he has done for you, what he has done for you, his voice becomes clear, his call is filled with power, and his way becomes the way, the only way of joy and of peace. And if you have the faith and the courage to answer his call, the words of the psalmist which we pray today can become your own. I have waited for the Lord, the psalmist says. He stooped toward me, and he heard my cry. He put a new song into my mouth. To do your will, O God, is my delight.